You are listening to a message from Treeline Church, a life-giving church in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. If you are in the Pittsburgh region, we would love to have you join us in person for one of our services. Check out treeline.church for times and location. Thanks for listening and enjoy the message. Good morning, Treeline Church. How are you guys? Let's do that. There's a little bit more energy in the room. Steve did a good job. How are you guys? Awesome, awesome. Well, I am super excited to be with you guys today. What an honor it is to speak at Treeline Church. And I just want to give your pastors honor. It is no small task to start a church. And yet, here they are. You guys are going. You guys are going strong. And so let's just give it up for your pastors. They are amazing. And I also want to give honor to your leadership team. I mean, I came in this morning. They are welcoming. They are informative. They did such a good job communicating to me. So let's give it up for the leadership team. This is not easy to set up all the time and do everything that they do. But my husband, Ben, and I, we know Pastor Brian and Christy. We are friends with them. Ben actually kind of grew up with Pastor Brian. He's super good friends with his brother, Brandon. So he has some really funny stories about Brandon. I don't have any of those today, but they are pretty funny. But like Steve said, um, Ben and I, we are pastors at Victory Family Church. We are actually the student ministries pastors. So we pastor the middle school. We pastor the high school. And so with that being said, I want to give you guys permission that while I'm speaking, that you can yell out, come on, amen, hallelujah, preach it, because I'm used to random things being shouted out while I'm speaking. So it would make me feel at home if you did that. So go ahead and let loose. So I have some pictures of my family. The first one is my husband, Ben. He is very handsome. And so he's a looker. He is a lot of fun. He's extremely funny. And um, one thing about him is he's extremely stylish and into fashion. So he picked out this suit all by himself. I didn't even have to go with him. He did it all alone. But the thing with my husband's style is he kind of takes it a little too far sometimes. And so this most recent trend that he has gotten into, I have a picture for you. So you might not be able to tell, but he has a mustache. And mustaches are fine and all, but they're not fine on my husband. And I love him dearly. He's still good looking, but there has been some discord in the Archer home because of the mustache. So if you see him, tell him, happy wife, happy life. And pray for me. Yes, come on. <laughs> you know, yeah. <laughs> so that's my husband. And then I have a picture of my daughter, Mila. This is Mila. She's 20 months old. She's way more photogenic than I am. She is a blast. She's a lot of fun. She's active. If she were here, she'd be running around. She would be saying, Mama, Mama, Mama. She talks all the time. And while it's great that she is so talkative, there's also a downfall to that because she likes to mimic everything that we say. And so we got ourselves into a little pickle a few weeks ago because somebody in our household, and I won't say who, but somebody in our household said a not so good word and Mila just happened to be standing there. And of course she absorbed this word and for three whole days she said this word on repeat. And this word kind of sounded like sea ship, 
You feel me? Sea ship. And so she walked around the house saying this word, and it happened to fall over church time over the weekend. So I had to keep her out of children's church so she didn't pollute the other children. So I love her, but she is very talkative. So I hope you guys get to meet my family someday. They are so fun, and they are a blast. Um, But I'm going to go ahead, and we're going to jump into the message. So let's go ahead and pray, and I will get going. Father God, we just thank you for this time that we have with you. God, I just ask that my words are your words and that everybody in here would hear exactly what it is that they need to hear today. In Jesus' name, amen. So I'm going to ask you guys to turn to Hebrews 12.1. Hebrews 12.1. And I'm actually going to be reading out of the Passion Translation. So if you have your YouVersion Bible app, I would encourage you to go to that. If not, it is on the screen behind me. And while you guys are going there, I want to remind each person in this room that this message is for you. I don't know where you're at in your journey with God. I don't know what your life looks like. But I want to remind you that you are called of God, that there is something great on the inside of you, and that your life has purpose, and there there is something great that you are going towards. So remember as I speak that this message is for you. So Hebrews 12.1 says this, So we must let go of every wound that has pierced us and the sin we so easily fall into. Then we will be able to run life's marathon race with passion and determination, for the path has been already marked out before us. We look away from the natural realm and we fasten our gaze onto Jesus, who birthed faith within us and who leads us forward into faith's perfection. What the author is saying in these verses is that we each have a path that we are marked out for. There is something that each of us are called to do, a life that we are called to fulfill, that we all have a purpose that is great. We all have a destiny that is great. And that not only do we have a purpose to fulfill, but there are blessings, there are promises that God has called us to. But then these verses also imply that there's a possibility we might not fulfill what God has called us to. There's a possibility we might not walk out the path that God has called us to because there are things that we can easily fall into. There are sins that can trip us up. There are wounds that can hold us back and it can stop us from living the life that God has for us. And I want to tell you that we need each of you to walk out your God-given destiny, that the The body of Christ isn't just pastors, not just evangelists, not just teachers, but we are all called to be the hands and feet of Christ. We are all called to do the works of the ministry, and we need every single person in this room to rise up and do what God has called them to do. And so today, I want to prepare you. I want to equip you. I want to make sure that you walk the path that God has for you. So the title of my message is Finish Your Race. Finish Your Race. Because it's easy to start out on a race. It's easy to start out on this Christianity walk. We get excited. We just got saved. We're on fire. We tell everybody we know about Jesus. And we're like, yes, God, I'm going to do everything you ask me to. And then life happens. We get a bad report. Our marriage starts to fall apart. We lose the job. The money isn't there anymore. And all of a sudden, the things of life start to throw us off path. And instead of walking according to what God has called us to, we start to get diverted and go a different direction. But I want to help you guys to make sure that you finish your race. But I want to ask you guys a question. And I want you to ask yourselves, how strong am I spiritually? 
how strong am I spiritually? Not how strong am I physically? Not how strong am I mentally? But how strong am I spiritually? When the things of life come my way, when something happens that I wasn't expecting, do I go according to what my circumstances say? Do I allow my emotions to dictate the outcome? Or do I stand firm on the word of God? Do I stand firm on his truth? Because the reality is that God needs strong sons and he needs strong daughters. He needs us to stand firm on what his word says, to rely on his truth, and to not allow our circumstances, our emotions to dictate our outcome. Because whenever we rely on his word, that's when we can finish our race. But you guys need some tools. And so one of those tools is grit. Grit. And it means firmness of mind or spirit. Unyielding courage in the face of hardship or danger. And they've actually found out that people with the grit factor are more successful than people who are rich and are more successful than people who are intelligent. Because they have the thinking of, I will not quit. And so there's one person I know that some of you know too that has this grit factor, and that is my husband, Ben. And I could give you many, many examples of how he's gritty, but there's one in particular that sticks in my mind, and that's when we met. So Ben and I, we met at our church at 19 North, which it was our young adult ministry. And so when we met, it was love at first sight for him. He thought I was the bee's knees, the cat's meow, the best thing since sliced bread. I, on the other hand, was like, Ben who? And so he picked up on the fact that I was not interested in him. So he came up with this plan. He'd start talking to me at church. And when that didn't work, he took it up a notch. And he started to hit me up on Facebook Messenger because we didn't have Instagram then. And when that didn't work, he took it up an even further notch, which this is kind of like creeper status. But he decided to become friends with my friends. And so he would create these hangout events so that he could get to know me, so that he could spend time with me. And when he thought that he was making headway, when he thought he was finally reaching my heart, he finally asked me, do you want to go to ice cream? Because I love ice cream. And I said, no. And I burst his bubble. And so he backed off a little bit. He didn't want to be full on stalker. And he gave me some space. And so then he would do it again, and he'd build it up again. He'd start talking to me at church, hit me up on Facebook Messenger, hang, create a hangout so that he could talk to me there. And when he finally figured that he, this is it, she is going to say yes this time, he asked me again, do you want to go to ice cream? And I said, no. And again, the cycle repeated. And so to tell you that he is persistent is to say the least because he asked me to ice cream 15 times. 15 times, people, like, I'm not even exaggerating, 15 times, 15 times. And on the 15th time when he said, hey, do you want to go to ice cream with me? I said, no. And so all of those 15 times, I rejected him, but he still persisted and he did not give up. And then finally, one day, I realized how funny he was, and I was like, oh, that Ben Archer, he's pretty funny. And it's been history ever since. But like Ben, he was persistent. He didn't stop. 
People with this grit factor, they don't get discouraged by what's going on around them. They don't get distracted by something that does or does not happen because they have their eyes set on the goal. They know exactly where they want to go. They know exactly where they need to be. And so they continue walking down that path. Doesn't matter what comes from the left. It doesn't matter what comes from the right. But they continue to walk forward because they know exactly where they need to be. And so I want you guys to have the spiritual grit factor. I want you guys that no matter what happens in your life, that no matter what comes your way, no matter what discouraging thing or distracting thing comes up, that you say, no, no, I'm going to keep my eyes focused. I'm going to walk down the path that God has for me. I'm going to walk according to his blessings. I'm going to walk according to his word. I will not let anything throw me off because I have the word of God that I stand on. I am standing on his rock and nothing will sway me. So when we go back to verse 2 from Hebrews 12, it says this. We look away from the natural realm, our thoughts, our feelings, our circumstances, and we fasten our gaze onto Jesus, who is the word of God, who birthed faith within us and who leads us forward into faith's perfection. So my first point for you guys today is to keep your focus on the word. Keep your focus on the word. If we focus on our distractions If we focus on our circumstances, we will start to walk according to those circumstances. We will see them and they will have power in our life because our eyes will be focused on them. But instead, we need to keep our eyes focused on Jesus, who is the prize. We need to keep our eyes focused on what he's called us to and stand firm on his word. But I need you guys to not just read your Bible not just memorize scripture, but I need you to claim the, the promises that God's power, his authority over your life. I need you to say, even though there's no money in my bank account, God supplies all of my needs, despite the fact that work isn't going well, that everything works out for my circumstance. I want you guys to live as if the Bible is true, because if we don't, then we live as if it's not true. Micah 4.13 says, on your feet, daughter of Zion, which is the church, be threshed of chaff, be refined of dross, for I'm remaking you a people invincible. So what this verse is saying is church, which is you guys, church, get rid of the junk in your life, get rid of the garbage. I want you to be invincible. For a long time, the church has been invisible. People go to church, we punch our ticket, We read our Bible every day. We go to our little groups. But we live in this bubble and we become ineffective Christians. But God has called us to rise up in these days invincible. And a few months ago, as I was spending time in the word, God gave me the word fierce. And I was like, ooh, I like that word. So I got super excited and I'm like, okay, I'm going to look it up. So I looked up the word fierce, and I looked up many definitions, and it means having or displaying an intense or ferocious aggressiveness, extremely powerful or destructive. And I thought, wait a second, God, this can't be from you. You would never want me to be ferocious, aggressive, or destructive with people. So I started to dismiss it as if it wasn't from God. And he spoke to my spirit immediately, and he said, I'm not calling you to be fierce with people. I'm calling you to be fierce with darkness. And so church, 
That word isn't just for me, it's for all of us. He's calling us to be fierce with the darkness. The enemy, he doesn't put on the kitty gloves for us. He doesn't play it nice. He comes after our lives, he comes after our loved ones, he comes after the people around us. There are people walking around us every day that are in darkness. And if we don't step up, if we don't rise up, and we don't walk in his authority and his power, people around us will go to hell. But we are called for more. We are called to be invincible. And there is something great on the inside of you, something more than you've ever thought of, more than you've ever seen. But not only does God know the greatness on the inside of you, but so does the enemy. So my second point for you today, prepare to be attacked. And that's not to scare you or freak you out, but we're in a spiritual battle. And anytime you're in a war, you need to know your enemy's tactics. And so I want to tell you a little bit about your enemy so you can easily identify him when he comes. His number one goal is to distract you. He's going to distract you with the unreal, the unimportant, stuff on social media, drama, things that at the end of the day, they don't matter. And if he can't distract you, he'll try to diminish you. And maybe while I'm speaking, you're like, yes, I am maybe called to something great. God has put something on the inside of me. And the enemy will try to whisper in your ear and say, who do you think you are? You're called to nothing. You have nothing great on the inside of you. And he'll try to squash it. He'll try to make you think that you are less than. And he'll try to bring up your past. But it's not your past that he's concerned about. Everything the enemy is thinking about is in your future. Because the enemy is not afraid of your past. He's afraid of who you might be in the future. He doesn't want you to get to your potential. He doesn't want you to reach that path that God has for you. Because he knows if you know who you are in Christ, he knows that if you know how to walk in your authority, that he is powerless against you. Because the one that is in you is greater than the one that is in this world. And he wants to stop you before you even get started. And if he can't distract you, if he can't diminish you, then he'll try to divide. He'll divide families, church against church, race against race, political party against political party. But because he knows that a house divided cannot stand. And so we need to stop fighting with each other. We need to build each other up, lift each other up, love on each other, help each other go their way because that is when we are unstoppable. And if he can't distract, diminish, or divide, he just destroys. And so you guys all saw the picture of my daughter, Mila. She's super cute, happy, healthy little girl, no health issues today, thank God. But when she was born, some things came up that were unexpected. My pregnancy was super smooth, the delivery was smooth. Whenever I gave birth to her, they laid her on my chest. I finally got to see my little girl, the one I had been carrying all of those months, and I was just in awe. I was just taking her in. And so finally, it was only a couple minutes, and a nurse grabbed her from me and took her across the room and put her in this little table. And all of a sudden, all this medical staff rushed in. All these nurses are around her. They're shoving things down her throat. There's these machines around her, and they're whispering to each other. I'm on the other side of the room, and I can't get to her. And I'm starting to get angry. I'm starting to get worried. I don't know what's going on with my little girl. And so I yell across the room, what is going on with my baby? And finally, a nurse turns around and she says, oh, it's okay. This is normal. A lot of times newborns, they swallow fluid whenever they're born and they get it in their lungs. So we're just going to take her to the NICU. We're going to clean out her lungs and we'll bring her right up to you. And I thought, 
okay, not a big deal. I can handle this. And so Ben and I, we get taken up to our room and we're waiting. Family's coming, family's going, hours go by and there's still no Mila and nobody can give us any answers as to what is going on. Until finally, Ben and I are in our room along with his entire family and this doctor comes in that we don't know. And he sits down and he makes eye contact with me the entire time, even though it's a room full of people. And he says, we're not sure how it happened, but Mila has a really bad infection in her lungs. Her white blood cell count is so low that things are starting to shut down. But because she's on oxygen, she's able to live, she's able to be stabilized. And then he goes on to say, at minimum, it will be weeks before she can leave the hospital. But then he said something that totally threw me off path. He said, but she should make it. She should make it. And so I lost it. The tears flew out. I was devastated. Never in my wildest dreams, never did I expect that I would not be taking my baby girl home. Never did I ever think that she would never leave the hospital with me. And I felt fear rising up. I was sad. I was confused. I didn't understand what was going on. Because what you see is every day before Mila was born, I laid my hands on my belly and I spoke life over her. I spoke that she would be formed whole and healthy, that she would live a long and healthy life, that she would be a light to everybody she was around, and that she would be a joy. And so I spoke these things. And when I went to the hospital, I was not expecting anything to happen to her. But even though I wasn't expecting an attack on my family, I was prepared. And so Ben and I, even in my fear, we looked at each other and we knew what we had to do. We went down to the NICU. I laid my hands on my baby girl again. And this time I spoke that by his stripes she is healed, that she has all, her health has already been restored, that our God is a healing God and she is the best doc, that he is the best doctor out there. And every single day, she got better. And within one week, Mila was out of the hospital. The doctors still don't know what caused it, but I know what caused it. I knew that there was an enemy that was after my family, and I knew that he was trying to destroy us. And even though my story is a happy ending, I know that there's some people in here who don't have stories with happy endings, that there have been things in your life that have stopped you in your tracks, things that are weighing you down, things that are keeping you from moving forward. And I don't wanna diminish anything that you've gone through, but I want you to know that God's heart is just as broken as yours, but he doesn't want you to stay in this stuck point. So I'm gonna ask my friend Sarah to come up and I'm gonna grab some stuff here. So none of this is true about Sarah. This is a made up story, just for demonstration. But let's just pretend that Sarah grew up in a normal home. Nothing crazy was going on from the outside, but on the inside, what people didn't know is that even though her father was physically present, he wasn't emotionally present. And so it left this hole in Sarah's heart. It caused some pain, some things that made her feel like she wasn't good enough. And so she goes off to college thinking, college is gonna fix it. College is awesome. I'm gonna live the college life. 
So she goes to college. She does what everybody else does in college. She parties. She's getting drunk night after night. And then she decides to start sleeping around because she's looking for that fulfillment. And whenever she's looking for her answers, she actually becomes more and more broken. And so in her brokenness, she starts to feel shame as she's looking for answers in her life. And so now Sarah has even more weight added onto her. And so she continues living this lifestyle. And as she's walking it out, she finally meets Mr. Right. Here's the answer. He's going to fix it all. He's charming. He's attentive. He's there for her. He listens to her. And she thinks, this is it. This is what I've been waiting for. And they're so in love that they decide, I'm, we're going to get married right after college. So they go ahead. They get married. And it's great for a while. But after the honeymoon phase, he's not so attentive. He's not so caring. He's not always there because he's not perfect. And so her world gets shattered once again. And she starts to think, there must be something wrong with me. And this gap begins to form between her and her husband. And it gets deeper and bigger and bigger until he's not coming home at night as much anymore. He comes home very late. He's working. That's all he's focused on. And so Sarah turns to what she turned to before. She goes to the bar. She starts drinking with her friends because that worked the other times, right? So it must work this time. So she's out late. He's out late working. They're not working on their marriage at all. And then finally one day he comes home and he's home early and she's confused. And he's home and he breaks the news that he's leaving her because he's been with another woman and he wants to be with her. And so now Sarah's world is completely shattered. Now she has all of this weight. She has all of these wounds. She has all of this pain that she is carrying around with her. And even though she has a whole life ahead of her, she has an entire path to walk down. She now has extra weight, extra pain, extra wounds, extra baggage that she has to face along with this terrible thing that is right in front of her. And so instead of being able to walk her life freely, instead of being able to handle whatever comes her way, she now has to navigate it with this extra pain that she carries around with her. And any race that you've ever been in, do you want extra weight on you? No. And nobody wants extra weight. Nobody wants this pain to walk around with. And I want you guys to know today that God didn't intend for anybody to walk around with wounds. God didn't intend for anybody to walk around in pain. And so I want to ask you, what is the world placed on you that you weren't meant to carry? Is it a lie that you've believed? You're not good enough. You'll never be enough. You're unlovable. What wounds have you been carrying around? Maybe you lost a loved one. Maybe you have a broken marriage. Maybe your father walked out on you. Maybe you lost a job and you're financially just struggling. What is it that you are carrying? Because this isn't what God intended. When he sees you carrying this weight, when he sees you carrying this pain, this hurt, this depression, this anxiety, he's saying, I never intended for you to have this on your shoulders. I was on the cross. I already bore this for you. I've been waiting for you to give this to me. My hands are out. I have been waiting. I just need you to let it go. I need you to lay it down at my feet because I'm the one that will carry you. 
I'm the one that will restore you. I'm the one that will heal you. I am the one that will take you on the path that you need to get to. I want you to be happy. I want you to be fulfilled. And I want you to be set free. So today is your day to be set free. No more will this hold you down. No more will this pain hold you back. You are called for more. And so my last point today is let go of what's holding you back. Let go of what's holding you back. Let go and let God. God is pushing you guys, not because he's disappointed, not because you did something wrong, but because he says, I see the potential. I see the greatness. I see all the amazing things that I've put inside of you. I crafted you together. I know all that you can be, and I want you to be that. So I'm going to ask you guys to stand to your feet. We're going to go back into worship. And I want you guys to just, whatever it is that is holding you back, that is weighing you down, I want you guys to go ahead. I want you to just lift up your hands as an act of surrender. We're surrendering things today. Today is your day to be set free. Today is your day to walk along that path that God has for you. You are no longer bound by anything, but you are free in Jesus' name. Just give it to him, lay it at his feet. So as we go into worship, I want you to speak out what you're giving. I want you to speak out what you want to let go. And then throughout the week, I want you to spend time with God so he can fill that void for you. Thanks for listening. If you would like to connect with us or learn more about our church, please visit us online at treeline.church or on social media. Our mission is to see family trees changed by a lifelong relationship with Jesus. We hope you can listen or join us next week.